everyone. Welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. I have a general question for both of you. Done. Is 60 sexy? Is it? You know, well, chew on this. Okay. Demi Moore is 60. Oh, fuck So the answer is yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. John Bon Jovi, 60. All right. It's not bad looking. Okay. You could get it. Sure. Yeah. Steve Carell, 60. (sighs) Oh, my God. Girl, you just flooded my basement. I knew I was gonna. I knew I was gonna. Oh, yeah. Silver Daddy, Steve Carell. He's Mm -hmm. absolutely in the last 10 years as well. Like, since he turned 50. Silver Daddy Mm -hmm. is my. I forgot about that part. Paul Abdul, 60. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. Forever your girl. That's a good one. That's right. MC Scat Cat, I guess, is ageless, but let's say he's also okay. 60. There you go. Well, I mean, that's fair. Uh, ooh. Jeff Dunham, the racist ventriloquist, he's 60. <laughs> no. Pass. Pass. Hard. Listen, as I is, hate puppets. As is the worst person you know's favorite thinker, Jordan B. Peterson is 60 years old. Uh, oh, I hope your arthritis is bothering Can you. End you. us on a, a real like. I have time. I have two more. I have two more that okay. are fun. Okay, okay, Anthony Kiedis and Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers are both sixty. Nice. My okay. fun thing fun. about that is there's a great Six. Nick Cave quote about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He says, "I'm forever near a stereo, saying, what the fuck is this garbage?'" And the answer is always the Red Hot Chili Peppers." <laughs> <laughs> And finally, saving the absolute best for last, Michelle Yeoh is 60. <gasps> oh. oh, thank you for saving the best for last. Thank you for Love that. Love her. That's right. That's right. If she doesn't Ugh. win the Oscar, I'm going to lose my fucking to. mind. I will. God, now that I have feelings again, maybe uh-huh. I should rewatch it. Yes, remember, I watched it when I was completely dead inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you turned those feel- the feelings faucet was turned off. It was yeah. off. I couldn't get anything. Your feelings so were winterized. They were completely frozen. But now that I have them again, I should probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Man, well, that's a good list. Most of it. It is. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, we're on episode 60, motherfuckers. And I love I think a we determined whole number. It, we've done it. Round whole number? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like I could consider multiples of five to be holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, yeah. It just good. seems natural. We're sixty. We're sexy, and we're sixty. 60. Just feels good at the moment. Mm. When I was a kid, I would flip out if the um, volume on the TV was anything other than a multiple of five. Turns out, I just That's have me. obsessive compulsive disorder. No, yeah. so my this, thing is you're is also that odd I, numbers, right? I hate 
even numbers. Right. You cannot I have the only, volume on an No, on an even I can't. Number. Like my TV right I now, I think that. I, I t- yeah, well, you were forced to live with me. <laughs> <laughs> like in the car, the volume has to be on an odd number. On my TV, yeah. it has to be on an odd number. And like if gotcha. it's not, it's fine. It just like makes me Ooh, feel. Did you see that wince, Edie? It just like makes it's me fine. Feel, yeah, it's definitely feel, fine. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. I uh, now, as an adult who has done a lot of uh, work on themselves, I am now cool with it if the volume's at like a 12. I'm cool with it. It's what we call personal growth, hunties. Personal yeah. growth? Look it up. It's personal. I'm a bro personal who's growth. done personal growth. Personal, so it's personal growth. growth. If that's not a podcast somewhere, bro, we should. Oh, God. That. There's some like protein powder chugging. Mm-hmm. Like uh, mindfulness bros talking Absolutely. about personal growth. <laughs> Listen, if that's true and that's what they're doing, good for them. Bros need bros. No, that's a million dollar idea. Good yeah. for them. Bros, you're bro. so right. You've just got to live your authentic truth. I'm I'm loving this moment here right now. <laughs> Look at us here. I just want to say congrats to all of us around. Uh, since this is a nice whole number, we started Edie as a full co-host. On an even number. So ha- this has been like 30 episodes now. Is that what it is? I yeah, think you started you at like episode 30, I think. Like 28 or 30. <laughs> I know. It's, we're all so I, good at this. We're really, really good at it. I remember exactly when it was. I just remembered it was nice whole round number, as I've been saying. <laughs> I'm so happy to have been here for around 30 episodes, give or take a few. Us yeah. too. Us too. <laughs> Miss, what have you been up to this weekend? Oh, my goodness. What did I do? Oh, uh, so my friend Amanda came over, and we had a Nerds Day afternoon. We Mm. watched – oh, God, this is going to be the gayest thing I've ever said. We watched A League of Their Own, the TV show. show? Yes. While doing needlework. She was doing embroidery, and I was doing (laughs) cross-stitch. So, oh my so god! Great. This it is honestly, it was so, so good. It was such a good afternoon. Look at you, Alice B. Toklas. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> and like we were just sitting there, and I was just like, "How did we get here?" Look just like you. if I You're saw You're just myself, Gertrude signing all over the place. If I, I saw know, myself cone five sisters over here, like five cone years sisters. Ago, all right. <laughs> Deep like five sides. years ago, if I knew this is where I was going to be, I would be so mad. I'd be like, "Really, really? This is what you're doing on a Saturday?" But also, look lovely. at you. That was practicing mindfulness, miss. You stopped and you looked around and you're like, look at us. Yeah. Could you have thought? I was in that moment. Who'd have thought? I know. Yeah. Good for you. No, so that was really good. We watched all of A League of Their Own, which if you haven't look. seen it, please do. It's good. What's like, it on? Prime. Oh, and oh. it's uh, Abby okay. Jacobson and everyone okay. in it is super cute. And it's fun, but it's also really serious because it's Lesbians. queers mm-hmm. in the 40s. But it's, it's good. Darcy Cardin's it. in it. Yes. Yep. Abby Jacobson. Rosie. Yeah, Rosie there's a lot. Does a, a Rosie's cameo, in it, right? actually. Rosie is in at least one episode. And I really, I loved her part in it, actually. Like, it was yeah, good. Yay. It was real cute. Remember when Rosie was, like, deeply closeted and kept trying to convince America that she had a big crush on Tom Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that the Tom Cruise part, part, but I remember the Yeah, I don't remember part. the Tom Cruise part. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I remember she, the, the Koosh baby thing. Oh, she, she did the fucking Koosh ball thing. Yes. I do remember that. Wow. 
the late 90s were a very weird time. She was like, this must be what heteros do. <laughs> is this what the, is this what the, is this, is this, this is, I mean, what to say is this is what the straights are doing, right? <laughs> this I is what I'm doing. And so it's what the straights straight, do. As a straight, this is what I'm doing. No, we're so glad that um, we're past that era. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Edie, how was, how was your weekend? What'd you get up to? We went to Bethesda, Maryland. Wow. Yeah, I had not been down there, I think, ever in my life. But it was very nice. It's like a it's like an outside of DC. It's a Mm -hmm. DC suburb where all the politicians' children's go to school and blah 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 blah. And so it is a fancy dance place. Mm -hmm. It feels tray chic. So we went down there to see a concert of a guitarist that my partner really likes named Khaki King. It was very nice. It was very nice. Okay. Was it my thing? No, Probably ma'am. Not. No. Because <laughs> y'all know my music style is, well, it's mainly Nick Cave, but it's also like it's the Cramps Cave, right? and Pixies and mainly it's Nick Cave and, you know, all of the Nick Cave uh, projects, the birthday party, mm-hmm. the bad seeds, Grinder Man, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. That. But it's 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 very different to a solo guitar show. Just a a, a lady and her like guitar. Classical guitar? No, it's like it's like experimental, experimental. popish guitar. It was very cool. Okay. And it was ideal because I had a migraine at the time. So yeah. I could just yeah. like close oh, my eyes music. and it was like fairly soft mm-hmm. music. Um, that was good. She's undeniably really, really talented. And I'm glad that I went. I'm glad that I like expanded my musical horizons. But it was mm-hmm. especially great because she was the artist who my partner planned his first trip to America around seeing in concert. And that was the trip at which we met. So if he hadn't planned his trip around seeing Khaki King in concert, there is a very good chance that we never would have met when we did or at all. So it was a good closing, a lovely closing of the loop. That's beautiful. Seeing Khaki Mm -hmm. King together. But we went and saw that. We had some fancy dance Mexican food. And Ooh, we went home, yum. and it was nice. great. Beautiful. It was Lovely. awesome. Beautiful. But you, Kevin. I had a wonderful weekend. Friday night, we had some of the gays over, Gabers, to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Is it a new and season? It, yes, it's season oh. 15. It started wow. a few weeks ago, and it's fine. There's <laughs> one clear winner. Uh-huh. Let's just crown oh, okay. her already. Come on. Yeah. And okay. then there's this entire drama because this year it has been moved to MTV in the US. Yes. Oh, and I oh. heard about I heard about a little bit of the drama. Oh, drama. Yeah. So, you know, for the past few years the show has been like 90 minutes an episode. Yes. Right. And then they would have untucked. Once they moved it to MTV, they cut it all the episodes down to an hour and it's now a lead into this awful awful The real awful friends show. of WeHo. That is correct. It's fucking so Tadra Call and friends. Tadra Call, Brad Gresky, and some other gays Brad that are Zresky. like friends. Untucked? No, no, no. Untucked will then come on after that. 
Oh. Oh, so they're making you, if you want to watch Untucked, you better watch Todrick's stupid show. Uh-huh. And that is causing an uproar, as you could tell. Because, A, I mean, I just don't care for that show. It looks completely reductive to me. And not- It seems yeah, like, no from what I've seen of it, it seems like a step back. Vapid. And completely staged. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, I don't, don't know, These real friends don't, like, super know each other. Oh, not at all. No. So I'm best friend. I don't know how you could even say that. So we turn off the TV during that time because I don't even want to give them the satisfaction. Protest. Protest. And a lot of gay bars are also doing that. That's fucking funny. (laughs) Yes. Well, good. Yeah. We're making a statement, MTV. We want our 90-minute drag or death. I love that. That's fun. But yeah, I'm in the mood to be told stories by y'all mm. because today Would you know it? is my week to sit back and relax and listen to some stories just max and relax and all cool listener mm-hmm. he's in bed he's propped up mm-hmm. on the pillows he's, he's wearing a scary slightly disappointed that you're not wearing the honeymoon robe i know but you're not I had like to be a little really cozing it up I mean, thank you for being so profesh for us. Same. I, I, I mean, don't want I'm literally wrapped the in a blanket. I, I slept in this. <laughs> I don't so. want halfway through the episode to, um, to start hearing some like light snoring from my microphone. I'm not going to go down that road today. <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll keep an eye on it. Okay. Well, yeah, I got a little something different this week. It's not Ooh. a traditional true crime, but there is there is like um. A criminal element to it, but it's not spoopy, so it didn't fit there. So forgive me if this is not traditional true crime, but Look, it is a fun story. <laughs> I promise nothing. Yes. How dare you? We, as <laughs> the world's only propaganda free true crime podcast, we are <laughs> redefining the genre. We are subverting <laughs> expectations. The doors were opening. Because the, the laws that were broken were civil mm-hmm. in this case, they weren't you criminal. Know, but I'll take law. it. That's what I'll I said. Take I'll it. take it too. Okay, so both y'all are gonna know what this is real quick. Slightly before when our story starts, in 1861, the world was introduced mm-hmm. to germ theory. With this came the understanding of how germs are spread, especially through unclean hands. Prior to germ theory, the prevailing medical belief was that sickness was called by miasma or bad air that came from mm-hmm. crowded cities and slums. As heard on episode four, yep. with your one yellow of our early fever. episodes, mm-hmm. with the yellow fever epidemic. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. So it was thought to be a disease of the poor because they're disgusting monsters who get what they deserve. At the time, we had an understanding that bacteria like malaria or tuberculosis was associated with water. So naturally, especially in crowded, poverty-stricken places, the idea of washing your hands in water to clean them seemed weird. Hand-washing for other purposes was long documented, so like in religion and cultural habits, but for the sake of cleanliness, it didn't exist. But Hmm. by the 1870s, doctors, specifically surgeons, really understood germ theory and that clean hands, literally maternal survival rates and just regular surgery just dropped. So, but this did not translate to the populace. So by the turn of the century, there was becoming like an understanding. I think washing my hands is cleaner, but it wasn't 
a common practice. Look, mm-hmm. I don't know what these scientists think they're telling me. I'm not listening to what they have to say. No, I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. I that know exactly, how to take care of my family. That is exactly the theme of our story. Yes. <sighs> God In the damn summer, it. Hand washing with water is a fucking government conspiracy to turn us into sheeple. Wake up. We knew it in 1906. So 1906, wealthy banker Charles Warren was summering on Oyster Bay, Long Island, with his family, and he needed a cook for the summer. Oyster oh Bay. Oh my God! Is, Wait. Oyster Bay was a super elite area where the wealthy spent their summers. Like President Teddy Roosevelt had his quote summer White House at Oyster Bay. No, like the there Hamptons. was a summer White House. I thought that fucking Trump made that shit up when he tried mm-hmm. to say like. Mar-a-Lago's the Southern White House. It's the no. Yeah. It's unfortunately no. Okay. It was referred. I don't think it was actually Teddy like Roro a, did it. Yeah. So it was referred. to His summer house was referred to the Summer White House. Oh. Enter Irish immigrant and experienced domestic cook Mary Mallon. She was hired mm. by the family in August. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Mary Mallon was born in Cookstown, Ireland, in 1869. Not a lot is known about her personal life, but when she was 15, she emigrated to the U.S. to live with her aunt and uncle. And like most Irish people at the time, she found job as a domestic servant, but really found that she had, she was a very talented cook. And Mary had a signature dish that was loved by all of the households she worked in, and that was vanilla ice cream with fresh peaches, which sounds delicious. That sounds great. It's I not a recipe. Right it sounds now. great, but well, she's making the ice cream, ice cream herself. She's making it. Oh, she's making the ice cream herself. That's fine. But other than that, that's an assembly. And she's not going to the fucking she's freezer not, aisle. She's not, she's not picking up some briars. She's not over to Turkey Hill. Some tofuti. Exactly. No, she made the ice cream. (laughs) So somewhere between one and two million Americans were in domestic service at this time. But to be the cook was to be the queen of the castle. That's a quote. I didn't. The cook managed the kitchen staff, bought all the supplies. And to prove that you were above other domestic servants, you were referred to as Miss Mallon as opposed to just Mallon. So you got a title. You got Ooh. some respect as a I cook. mean, that's huge. That's yeah. some respect huge. on my name. It really is for the time and for her position. Yeah. And Mary came gig. over well, by herself at 15, which I guess in the 1800s is like she might have well been 35. But no, it's not abnormal. Spencer age but, at that point. But still, like she came she over by 15. herself and now she's yeah. Miss Mallon. Nice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. August 27th, the Warren's young daughter became alarmingly ill and was diagnosed with typhoid fever. In the same week, five more members of the household also became ill. Mrs. Warren, another daughter, two maids, and a gardener. And a doctor soon determined that they all had typhoid as well. But Oyster Bay had never had an outbreak of typhoid before because we don't let the filth in here. And so they uh, just made sure to advise everybody in the area that typhoid was going around. That's what they did, did, right? They just were like, hey, watch out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to mm-hmm. find that it absolutely didn't happen like that. And this is a truly bizarre story. Oh, yes. So Salmonella typhi, the bacteria responsible for typhoid fever, is no joke. It was known at the time to have a 10 to 14 day incubation time. And with it came a very high fever, weakness, stomach pain, headaches, constipation or diarrhea, oh. loss of appetite. Don't threaten cough. me with a good time. And right. Can you imagine, like, I mean, if if we're gonna be honest, if I have all of this, give me the constipation. I don't yeah. need I don't need the diarrhea. <laughs> no. Well, and the if it cycles through both of those things, just cut oh, my fucking head off. Just End it. Leave yeah. me. End Shoot it. me out back. Like I just leave me. No, all these <laughs> fucking shit yourself to death diseases. You're so lucky. I'm not doing had- it. We have to remind ourselves how lucky we are that we do not live in the time of shit-killing diseases. Uh, in the place in of shit-killing diseases. Yes, that's what I mean. True. Yes. Okay. In the first week, your body temperature rises slowly, usually hitting like 105. You get a bloody nose and abdominal pain is the most common symptoms to start out. But again, rich people just didn't get typhoid especially in Oyster Bay. And predictably, there was a concern in the area that the town would become a less desirable resort should it be seen as teeming with disease. Of course. Of course. Especially worried was George Thompson, the owner of the home. He was particularly worried that no well-to-do New Yorkers would be of a mind to rent his home the following season if it was associated with disease. Think of the money. We've got to open up the economy. We can't all be staying home for this Mm -hmm. so-called disease. We have to, you know what, children? Lay down your (laughs) lives on the altar of the economy. Grandparents, too. Everyone. It's grandma's time. (laughs) She can't work. (laughs) Okay, so the house was very large and expensive to run. And though he owned this house and four others, he he could not afford to live there. So if it late if it went vacant, it would mean he's got less money. Right. And he'd have to sell it, but he wouldn't be able to get as good a Much price for it because limited. people would be like, no, we don't want to live on disease island. Yeah, exactly. Desperate to save his investment, he called experts to track down the source of the contagion, hoping it came from outside the property and eager for someone to prove that it did. Drinking water was analyzed, the single indoor toilet, the cesspool, the manure pit, and the outhouse were all examined and ultimately rejected as a source of infection. And I don't know how, because science, they had very quick testing at this time to determine if it was uh, typhoid or not. I don't know what that oh, means. Huh. It's gotta be... shit. No, it's, it's, it's a, a I was shit. gonna say, it's a guy just like... Like, but I don't know what the test is. I don't putting, know if he's looking at just shit, mushing just shit in his hands. Typhoid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, doing guys, a quick spell test, probably. It's I like, don't. oh, this is like really grainy, and we know that typhoid. <laughs> we know that's creates typhoid. grainy shits. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. No. So I don't know what the test was. If there was like beakers and test tubes involved or what. But all of dairy products were inspected because that was thought to be another source of typhoid. Mm -hmm. An old woman lived in town and sold clams, and they thought, definitely her. She's poor. It's clam lady. It's clam lady. But a lot of people bought shellfish from her that day, and none of them had typhoid or had gotten sick. He was unsatisfied. He... Reaches out to his friends in New York City, looking for someone to help him with his oh-so-embarrassing problem. 
Mm-hmm. And enter Dr. Soper, a sanitary engineer. Okay, perfect name. I, I, I was going to say, beautiful name. Yeah. And, Dr. Soper. Yeah, and um, he was known as, quote, a doctor to six cities. Sick as so, an ill, not the number six. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank okay, you. so he was... Yeah, I realized as I said it. <laughs> Seven, I call my limits. I'm only one man. <laughs> is Soper the, like, f- Fauci of the time? Like, the <laughs> epidemiologist? We think he is at first. We think he is at first. Oh, uh, got it. He okay. is not. He's not. And just so we don't get, it's it's not cool, like, Soper, like, S-O-A-P-E-R. It's S-O-P-E-R. So it's not even cool. Mm, Ugh, it's okay. not even that good. All right. I take back everything cool I said about you, Soper. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to you're going to you're going to want to do that. After reviewing the findings of the first team who went in, as well as earlier experts who had scrutinized drinking water, trash and sewage, he began questioning members of the household um, about visitors. And ultimately, he was able to get a list of visitors going back 10 years by interviewing the household staff. Yeah, I mean, they know everything. They know everything. They really do. Um, He also examined the medical histories of each of those people, and he ruled out everyone. He could not find it. He was very frustrated. Things usually went pretty quick in cases like this. Feces in the water, contaminated milk, or a sick visitor, case closed. Uh Not so. Soper began working backwards to figure it out. We know that the incubation period was between 10 and 14 days, so he was really focused on that time, specifically around August 20th. He was intrigued by the news that on the 4th of August, the Warrens had changed cooks. More significantly, the new cook, Mary Mallon, was missing. She left her post without notice or explanation three weeks after the daughter first got sick. So having ruled out literally every avenue, no one in the Warren household had been sick. No one had been sick. And from what Soper could find, they've never been in contact with someone with typhoid. To his excitement, he now found himself what is called a carrier, a seemingly healthy individual who caused others to become ill. So are asymptomatic carriers. Okay. okay. Yeah. That we're familiar with now. Yeah. It didn't exist at this time. Oh, my God. Well, it existed, obviously. We just didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah. The only new element introduced to the household had been the cook. The cook handled the food, which all of the afflicted members of the household had eaten. The disease broke out, and now she was gone. She had to be the source. So what else is a disease and shit-obsessed doctor to do? But he doggedly saw it, Mrs. Mary Mallon. He oh, got a description. God. Of what this uh, this source called the suspect. The suspect? What? A woman of about 40, tall, with a buxom build, blonde hair, blue eyes, a firm mouth, and jaw. I mean, Uh, okay. Not a bad description. Not. It could be a lot worse, but I don't understand the last part, so whatever. Uh, It was so somebody's mouth and jaw. I mean, I guess it's like she's tall and hot. But she looks like a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So it was remarked that she was, quote, a pretty good cook, though she was observed by some interviewees in retrospect as being, quote, not particularly clean in her habits. And she was difficult to talk to. So just a big (laughs) Irish bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That 
is no crime, sir. That yeah, is no it's crime. It's not a crime. Uh, speaking as a big Irish bitch, it's not a crime. So. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, there, right, are, so, there are a lot of people for whom big Irish bitch is uh, like the holy thing. grail. For, uh, so, so this is Dr. This for a while. This is going to be Dr. Soper. First, okay. I went to the employment agency where I was given the missing cook's former places of employment and different people who had furnished her with references. Working from agency to agency, I came upon little fragments of her history for the last 10 years. What do you suppose I found out? That in every household in which she had worked in the last 10 years, there had been a breakout of typhoid fever. Mind you, there wasn't a single exception. The question that confronted me now was, where is she? Following her trail to cases back in 1904, I found she worked at a home on Sandpoint, Long Island, where four of the seven servants suddenly got the disease. Going back further, I found five weeks after Mary had gone to cook at a summer home in Maine, seven out of the nine persons in the house contracted typhoid, and so did a trained nurse and a woman who came by the house to work. There had been an outbreak of the disease in New York in 1901, and I had reason to believe that Mary was behind this. In 1904, Tuxedo Park, the fashionable summer resort, was stricken, and I discovered she'd cooked there. So he is positing since 1900, so the last Mm -hmm. six years, she has been responsible, her personally. He's putting it all on her. Yes, he is saying that she is most likely the source of all of these breakouts. His excitement in this case cannot be uh, understated. The New York Times described him as excited and exhilarated by the thrill of the chase hunting Mary Mallon. Oh trying my to God. Find her. <laughs> <laughs> it's patient zero. We got to go exactly what this is. That is exactly oh what this is. Oh my God. Because it can't be... I mean, I guess the classism is always, always. in there, right? Because it's like, oh, well, she cooked at all these fancy places. It couldn't be anybody who lives in the fancy places, mm-hmm. even though we didn't pick through each of those as we did the Warren's house. Mm-hmm. She's the because, common denominator. Yeah. It's got to be this poor. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a poor. Remember, the homeowner's whole purpose in getting Dr. Soper here was to make sure it was a poor so it didn't, right, affect, his, right, so it didn't right. affect his property. That is not now Soper's goal. Soper is a dog on, a, on the smell. Like he's literally like obsessed with this. Many still believed in miasma in theory that that is how disease is spread. Even a mm-hmm. uh, minority of sci- the scientific community still believed it rose up out of sewer gases. So... During this time, society had been doing pretty great, and we were congratulating ourselves. We had widespread improvements, clean, feces-free water, carefully monitored dairy, more effective waste disposal, new kitchen equipment, and all of this. And in 1906, the Pure Drug and Food Act was passed, uh, making purity the label of the time for sales. So like now it's all natural or whole grain. Oh, and then back then it was, it's purity. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Asymptomatic carriers were a very hot concept in epidemiology. In Germany, however, the respected bacteriologist, uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Koch had recently investigated repeated outbreaks of typhoid in a bakery 
in the same bakery. The bakery was clean. The water supply was uncorrupted. Yet these wealthy customers coming in were getting sick. Dr. Koch questioned the owner and found that she herself had gotten typhoid years before, but she survived and she was fully recovered. Oh. After testing her, a.k.a. digging through her shit, after testing her, he found that even though she was devoid of symptoms, to all outward appearances, a healthy person, she was in fact still, quote, teeming with typhoid germs. Teeming with typhoid. Yeah. And then, quote, exuding them through her bowel movements and spreading them with improperly (laughs) cleaned hands. This was revolutionary. This was a revolutionary discovery. And the science community was all a Twitter just, did you know? Did you know? It had finally made its way to New York, where it was being discussed with interest. Dr. Soper read the transcript of a speech Dr. Koch had given on the subject of previous years before. Dr. Soper was now convinced that Mary Mallon was the first American carrier. The problem was, she was proving to be elusive. When she worked, she usually only stayed for short periods and then left without forwarding address or anything. He began hearing reports of a wealthy family on Park Avenue who had recently reported two cases of typhoid fever, a maid and the 20-year-old daughter of the family who died. Uh, He also learned that the family cook fit the descriptions of Mary, and she was still employed by the family. Quote, Now, does Mary know that she's being hunted by Dr. Soper? Not now. Not at this point, she doesn't. Hmm. Quote, imagine my surprise and utter joy when I found the famous germ carrier working as a cook in that household. (laughs) A 20-year-old just died. A 20-year-old just died and his utter joy at finding it. Scientists are weird like that. They're well, like, he may have been thinking, I'm saving so many other people. I mean, to be fair, know. that is what he claims the whole time. It was mm. for this purpose. But again, the way he does this feels very personal. So he finally meets her. It's March 1907. He believed that he would just talk to her real quick. He'd explain that she was a carrier. And the outbreaks affecting the undeserving wealthy people would be over. He was very wrong. He was very wrong. To quote Dr. Soper, I had my first talk with Mary in the kitchen of this house. I was as diplomatic as possible, but I had to say I suspected her of making people sick and that I wanted specimens of her urine, feces, and blood. It did not take Mary, it did not take Mary long to react to this suggestion. She seized a carving fork advanced in my direction, and I passed rapidly down the long, narrow hallway, through the tall iron gate, and onto the sidewalk. I felt rather lucky to escape. Yeah, you dumb dumb. <laughs> so he's like, hey, Mary, so great to meet you. I do think that you have sickened dozens and dozens of richy riches. Please let mm-hmm. me look at your Give me your shit and blood. Give it to me. And then she's just like, absolutely not. Fuck you. I'm going to come at you with a fork. I would have done Mary the same. Rules, absolutely. Yeah. You come Fuck to my off. house. I don't know. You're saying you're going to steal my poop? No. Get out of my no, kitchen. No. Where are you, a cop? Get out of here. make me poop in my own kitchen. <laughs> so the violent reaction from her did not stop him. Like I said, he's a hound. He proceeded to track her to her home. Uh, this time he brought Dr. Bert Hubler. For support, again, she became enraged, made it clear that they were unwelcome, and shouted yeah. expletives at them as they made a hurried departure. 
You carpetbagger, you so oh, no. and so. They said, they said that she was a very talented cursor. Like she had the <laughs> ultimate. Ah, that's my Mary. She was, that's uh, right. what is, what's the word? Crass, crude. Uh-huh. Like she, that's how they Mouth like a me. sailor. Yes, exactly. Fuck you, you shrivel bald bitch. Get out of my house. <laughs> I'm going to stab you with this fork. Get out of my kitchen. I imagine right now what I want to imagine Mary being like is mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy. Anytime she's spoke in any movie she's been in with like something in Spy, yes. something in The Heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's it feels exactly like this. So he wasn't done. Dr. Soper found out where Mary's boyfriend lived and arranged a new meeting. He took Dr. Hubler in an attempt to persuade Mary. Um, Mary again refused, believing that typhoid was everywhere and outbreaks happened because of contaminated food and water. She's half right. <laughs> yeah. She she's is. almost there. She's she's that is correct. It's just the She's the, like, look, I get it. People that don't wash their hands can touch food and make people sick. Not me. So I do that. What yep. of it? I don't care. It's not my poop that's making people sick, you weirdo. Yeah, well, and also she's at this point in in as as you said, miss, at this point in regular person's understanding. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it's, any sense. It doesn't make sense. It's yeah. like it's I like can see uh, my hands. My hands are clean. There's nothing on them. What are you talking about? That's what's going on with her. Right. Right. I can understand her just like what because here's the thing. They told her she was a carrier and they told her that she was making people sick, but they did not explain what that means. They gave her nothing. So she's no, just like, all the blame a- and none of the explanation. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And that's jarring, I'm sure, if you're just she's, confronted she with that. She feels like that. she's being like hunted. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like you're so, calling me dirty. Like what's like just yeah. me being myself is I'm riddled I'm with a disease. Cook. I don't feel sick. Right. Okay, so this is another situation. Apologies. Quote, Mary was on the lookout and peered out a long kitchen fork in her hand like a rapier, like a sword. Yes. Mm-hmm. She lunged at me with the fork. I stepped back, recoiled on the policeman, and so confused on the matters that by the time we got through the door, Mary had disappeared. She had completely vanished. Excellent. She has one of those, Mary, like, like I love ninja smokescreen bombs. Yes. Yeah. Smoke bomb. Yeah. So she failed her attack roll, but then she successfully took a disengaged bonus action. Yes. And then mm-hmm. uh, also mm-hmm. bonus action hid. Mm-hmm, no, you mm-hmm. can't do two bonus actions. Whatever. Whatever, D&D nerds. Don't come at me. Yeah, don't at don't at them. They were thinking. <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> I'll just disengage and then run. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. So That's unfortunately fine. for Mary, Dr. Soper informed the New York City Health Department of the situation. And they quickly determined that Mary must be one of these newfangled carriers. Under sections 1169 and 1170 of the Greater New York Charter, Malin was arrested as a public health threat. She was forced into an ambulance by five policemen and a doctor who at some point had to sit on Malin to restrain her. Quote, no. Yeah. Quote, she came out fighting and swearing, both of which she could do with appalling efficacy and vigor. I made <laughs> another effort to talk to her sensibly and asked her again to let me take the specimens, but it was of no use. By that time, she was convinced that the law was wantonly prosecuting her when she had done nothing wrong. 
She knew she had never had typhoid fever and she was maniacal in her integrity. There was nothing I could do but take her with us. The policeman lifted her into the ambulance and I literally had to sit on her all the way to the hospital. It was like being in a cage with an angry lion. You'll take my shit from my cold, dead sphincter, (laughs) copper. (laughs) To be fair, every point she makes, absolute sense. She is looking at this logically, right? This is, there's not a leap of logic here. And I have to tell you, I would probably be the same way because- 100%. I've I've never had typhoid. So she was taken to a hospital- And for four days, she was not allowed to get up or go to the bathroom on her own because she could not be trusted. Um, While the medical staff took multiple samples of her urine and feces. They're stealing her poops just like she feared. This is America, man. Uh Uh Nothing's sacred. Under questioning, Mary admitted that she almost never washed her hands. Quote, it seemed incredible, she said, that in a Christian community, a defenseless woman can be treated in this manner. Again, before we go, ooh, gross, it's shit. It's the only people washing their hands are doctors and only yeah. surgeons at that. So. Yeah. It's not It's not like in the year is, of our Lord she, 2023 and somebody <laughs> says, I don't wash my fucking hands. There was, oh, wait, no, it's Pete we'll Hegseth. There's some Fox News host on like the five or something. Pete Hegseth, something Christ. like that, said that he doesn't wash his hands. And he's like, germs, what are those? I don't care about those. And like literally did what Mary did. Like, I see my hands. My hands look clean. Ew. Ew. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to fact check myself on this. Ew. Keep going okay. and I'll, I'll, right. yeah. I'll update. Okay. So on March 19th, 1907. Mary was sentenced to quarantine on North Brother Island in the Ooh. East River near the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. So before this, my only knowledge uh-huh. of North Brother Island was from, um, why can't I think Broad of it? Broad City. Yes, it was from Broad City. Broad City. With, uh, what was her name? Garol and the Yogurt. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, anyway. Excuse me. I don't know if I'm in the Bronx. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, North Brother Island. North Brother Island is now an uninhabited bird sanctuary. But in the late 19th century, it was built up. A hospital was built for smallpox victims and was eventually given the task of keeping anyone with smallpox in isolation and quarantined. And Uh so it was all quarantinable diseases, what they viewed as. So the treatment may have seemed brutal, but at the time it was pretty normal because it was before the antibiotics were on the scene. Greater New York Charter gave health authorities the power to order the sick into isolation. And Mary was held in solitary confinement for the most part. Jesus. Yeah. She planned legal action and told her lawyer that it was unjust to treat her as an outcast when she had done nothing wrong. Quarantine, she forcibly gave uh, stool and urine samples three times a week. Uh, Like a chimp, I hope. I was going to say she better be playing in that poop. (laughs) Honestly, what else is she doing? Uh, So Dr. Soper visits her while in quarantine, and he's excited because he's telling her he wants to write a book about her and give her part of the royalties. She aggressively rejected his proposal and locked herself in the bathroom until he left. (laughs) Yes. I love her so much. Typhoid temper tantrum. Like, I love her so much. 
she's just a bitch. Like she just hates people. And I love that. Love about it. Her. I love, I love a big Irish bitch. Yes. That's all. <laughs> that's who she um, is. Also, yes, it's true. In February 2019, true. then yeah. Fox and Friends host Pete Hegseth uh, was talking on air about eating day-old pizza that hadn't been refrigerated. He didn't see any issue with eating the pizza. And he added that he didn't think he'd washed his hands in 10 years. He said, really? I don't really ah! wash my hands ever. Germs are not a real thing. I can't see them. Therefore, not they're not real. Oh, my uh, God. He yeah. then later tried to walk back his comments as a joke. But what, after the pandemic? <laughs> no, like, like after, immediately, kind of like immediately after. <laughs> oh, okay. That's disgusting. Uh, and I'm like, never oh, you guys, you people can't that. take a joke, but he. That's I not a joke. Was that is a fact you told no about No one thinks yourself. you're joking. I don't think he was joking. So while she was detained, she was given two options. One, remove your gallbladder or stop working as a cook and agree to wash your hands. They believed at the time that the gallbladder was the source of the disease, but she wasn't going to do anything that they said. She was absolutely not going to get surgery, and she certainly wasn't going to stop working as a cook. Nope. So I will not comply. I won't wear a mask. I won't. You know what? It's not even. It's the 5G. It's mm-hmm. the 5G. Oh, yes, even it's the 5G. Yes, because you can't see it. At the time, gallbladder removal was dangerous. People died all the time. She was unwilling to stop working as a cook because it earned her more money than any other domestic position. Yeah. And having no home of her own, she was always on the verge of poverty. Shortly after she was confined, Dr. Soper published his findings in the Journal of the American Medical Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, The media caught on real quick, and that's where we get the name... Typhoid Typhoid Mary. 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 It was dangerous. And she, of course, would have been responsible for paying for the surgery. And she obviously didn't have money to do that. At least fucking pay for it. God damn. So believe it or not, with all of this and now the Typhoid Mary bullshit, uh, she's not happy. She suffered what? a Why? mental break after this happened. She, she you keep telling t- me I have evil poop. <laughs> Gone crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, she's by her, not only is like her, she herself isolated, but this place is so completely isolated from everything. In a letter to her lawyer, she said that she was being treated like a guinea pig, forcing her to participate in increasingly bizarre and life-threatening side effects. Like for three months, she had to go on this really strong drug that did absolutely nothing, and it nearly led to kidney failure. And then another Mm. one, she was on incredibly high doses of laxatives, and she became so dehydrated that they had to stop. Things like this, things that had nothing to do, to be fair, they didn't know how to treat things like this. They didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm being I'm sometimes being glib about like Mary's distrust of the medical world and like comparing it to people's distrust today. But it is really, really worlds different. It's worlds, worlds different. The the degree of, you know, I, I hesitate to use the phrase common knowledge because I don't think that that's a helpful phrase, but the degree to which it's more widely known. Exactly. Of how to take care of yourself and others. It's Mm -hmm. totally, totally different. The degree of general understanding is totally, totally different. It absolutely is. And we're taught this now. 
we're taught when we're little kids, we wash our hands when we go to the bathroom before we eat That's right. dinner. That is why these things are common sense. We go to the doctor all the time. We trust the doctors because at this time, nobody trusted the doctors. They were still quacks. No. They were still experimenters. They were still out to get your organs. No, they've been fucking around. And they're still going to be fucking around in this, what, early 1900s? They're going to be fucking 19. around for a good long they got while. Time. Mm-hmm. They haven't even fucked around with lobotomies yet. No, no. <laughs> um, Future about, subject gonna, of the podcast, lobotomy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're doing their research into it at this point, I'm sure. So while she was forced to give samples at least three times a week, she was refused the opportunity to see an eye doctor for over six months because during her breakdown, her eyelid became paralyzed, would not close. Oh, so no. for six months, Close all the Mary. way. It closed a little bit. So Aww. for six months, they refused to let her see a doctor for something. She had to bandage it every night because she couldn't close her eye. Gross. Oh, it's going to be a real dry, itchy eyeball. Mm-hmm. She got it taken care of eventually. But with the help of a friend, she sent several of her own samples, I don't know how, to an independent New York lab Yes. Every single one came Carol, back negative. Carol, I need you to do something for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shit in this envelope. You got to take it to New York. <laughs> You're my best friend. You have you to overnight it. Girl. You're my best friend. I need you to <laughs> hand deliver this. It's so, crucial. Um, all of the samples came back negative for typhoid. Wow. In 1910, a new health commissioner vowed to free Mary and assist her in finding a new job as a domestic, just not Uh a cook. If she agreed to stop working as a cook and take reasonable steps to protect herself and everyone else. So after two years and 11 months of her quarantine on February 19th, 1910, Malin said, quote, she was prepared to change her occupation and that she would give assurance via affidavit that she would, upon her release, take such hygienic precautions, such as washing their hands and anything else that the doctors had told her to do. Wow. Almost three years of quarantine. Oh, my God. Yeah. And obviously, she's got, like, a chip on her shoulder now. Oh, absolutely. Fuck doctors. Fuck this. Fuck that. Right. So she was set up with a job as a laundry worker, and it paid Uh $20 a month. However, when she was working as a cook, she got 50 bucks a month. Oh, damn. So she was really struggling. After six months working in the laundry, she, I don't know how, I don't know if this was work-related or what. I couldn't find anything, but she wounded her arm and the arm became infected and it made it, she could not work for six months. So mm. on top of working a job that she gets considerably less money, she she was out of work completely for six months. And obviously there's no unemployment or anything. So she's living on the generosity of her friends, essentially. Carol, Carol, I need to ask one more thing of you. <laughs> so she was fed up and said, fuck it. I'm going to be a cook. Because she still did not believe that she was a carrier, that she had typhoid, or that she could spread it. She did oh, not Mary, believe it. Mary, I get it, but goddamn. Wow. Fuck, Mary. By that Fuck. point, though, wow. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I get both. It's not good. It's not good, Mary. Mary, at this point, it's... uh, It's really not good. Yikes. It's so, a yikes so it's at this point. It's not a denominator. Come yeah. on. 
Now she was going under the name Mary Brown and Mary Brushhoff to avoid the typhoid Mary stigma. Because every time there was an article about her, they, they called her Mary Mallon. So she couldn't find work as a domestic cook. But don't worry, because she found work over the next few years in restaurants, hotels, spas, hospitals, all working as a cook. Hmm. How did that turn hospitals. out? Hospitals. So Mary knew now, whether or not she believed it, she knew, she was told that she is a carrier. She needs to take these reasonable precautions. And she refused to even do that. She oh, would yeah. not wash her hands. She was just being... S- I'm not going to say this. I, I was going to say she's being stubborn for the sake of being stubborn, but I don't think that's fair. Considering her life, considering yeah. everything that she's gone through sure. and how hard everything was for her. She's just straight up she's, stubborn. At she, this, well, like, she's got to be stubborn. It is stubborn, yeah. but it's also like, I'm not going to let these people tell me how to live my life. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I've gotten her. this far. I know what I'm good at. I know I'm a cook and that's all I'm willing to do. And I've done this the whole time. Yeah. Her distrust of yes. authority and scientific authority comes, Doctors, she comes by yeah. that a little bit more honestly than say today's, right. I, exactly. I won't comply. Uh, yes. Right. There, there's not the mountains people. of there's not the mountains of evidence. There's not the decades of studies done. So uh it's not good. And I don't condone what she did, but I I can understand it. So in case you need a reminder, she she was spreading it. So this is not a water and a food thing. She just wasn't washing her hands after she went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then directly mm-hmm. cooking. Not that typhoid poopy. Yeah, so she, unfortunately, just like before, she changed jobs frequently and every single time left a typhoid outbreak in her wake. She still didn't believe it was, she truly did not believe it was her because it didn't make sense. (sighs) Oh, Mary. In 1915, Mary started working at Sloan Hospital for Women in New York City, which was essentially like a birthing hospital. Soon, 25 people were infected with typhoid and two died. So the head obstetrician, Dr. Cragen, called Dr. Soper, the (laughs) well-known epidemiologist, and asked him if he could help with this investigation. So after gathering information, Soper identified Malin from the verbal descriptions. Like he, how they said she looked, you're like, oh, that's Mary. Tall, blonde, buxom, bitchy face. That's Mary. (laughs) And I don't know if she was being investigated at this time, but I think she might have because she very quickly left the position at the hospital and had been elusive for some time. But the police... At this time, I think she had to know that the police were after her because she was truly in hiding. Like, nobody could find her. However, Mary, ever the cook, brought some food to a friend on Long Island, and the police got her. Ah. No good deed, Couldn't help it. Yeah. She was returned to quarantine on North Brother Island on March 25th, 1915, and would remain there until her death. Oh, my God, Mary. How long until she died? 23 years. (gasps) What? (gasps) What? Little little is known about her life in quarantine, but they gave her a private one-story house, and she had a little dog. 
Um, oh my god! Well, I guess if they're like, "Look, you're going to be here forever," and th- she's probably like, "Great, I don't have to work anymore." <laughs> okay. Um, I but get also that. Also, you know she was not happy. No. <laughs> oh, okay. No, now that's it's because even if bad. she says she's, even if she says she's going to do what she needs to do, there's they no don't way anybody's her. trusting her. No, no. Nope. But still, like, she wouldn't. But yeah. but still, that's. That's permanent loss of liberty for, I mean, oh. For not washing your hands? So, but refusing. Like, like, I know. Not just refusing to comply with. She truly was a risk if she continued working as a like reckless endangerment type behavior, but she's not convicted of reckless endangerment or anything like that. She's not convicted of anything. But that's the thing. You keep calling it a quarantine. It's not a. Yeah. It's not, she's it's, not in prison. I mean, yeah, when she not, was there the first time, she was, it was a But she room. is being held against her will, right? Yeah, she is being held I there against her that. will. Yeah, yeah so no. it's, she is being imprisoned, but she is mm-hmm. not oh, being imprisoned in a prison. And and yeah. that's fucked up. That's like, yeah. that's big time Almost fucked worse. up. <laughs> it's, oh, At least when you're in jail, you know you're imprisoned. Like, <laughs> right. This is, ve- so, that's very bad. That's very bad. Very I don't odd, like that very at all. Strange. Yeah. yeah. So, but as a, in 1918, she was allowed to take day trips to the mainland, you know, whenever she wanted. And she was reliable and she always came back when she was supposed to. So I don't know if it was, she accepted it or, or what, now that she had a little bit more freedom. Um, yeah. But yeah. in 1925, Dr. Plavatska came to the island for an internship, and she organized a lab um, on the second floor of the chapel and offered Mary a job as a technician. Mary washed bottles, did recordings, and prepared glasses for pathologists, which is interesting, mm-hmm. considering you, that those things need to you be sterilized. Typhoid Mary for that. Any job yeah. that puts Mary's hands in water and soap, go for it. That's right? true. Right. That's true. I Just guess. can go for it. But, like, she was... She was lonely and uh, she was happy for the work. So yeah, she she worked there (laughs) until three years. Nineteen yeah, nineteen thirty two. She had a stroke, and so she was confined to a hospital and she never recovered. And six years later, November eleventh, nineteen thirty nine, she died of pneumonia at sixty nine. Whoa! Wow! Spending twenty six years in quarantine. Jesus Christ! And that is the story. Of Typhoid Mary. Man, oh, That's incredible. Man. And there, and so since this time, there has been crazy debate on the ethics of this. Yeah. yeah. On whether they were right, um, whether Mary was responsible for murder the second mm-hmm. time because she knew what yeah. she was doing. And, and over, they linked more than 50, I think it was 50 deaths. Wow. Or maybe not. It's either 50 deaths or 50 cases that they were confirmed. But 10% of people died from typhoid. It was unavoidable. Wow. So if you, you know, there was nothing to be done if you got Mm -hmm. typhoid. Mm -hmm. You had to wait it out and either you survived or you didn't. Yep. And people posited over the years that after she was aware of the problem and refused to do anything of it, is there criminal intent? And that's a really interesting argument. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think intent. It's interesting. Because it's intent not. Is, she doesn't have to believe that most. it is happening. She was told which no, exactly. evidence 
Yeah. You will cause this when you do this. And she completely disregards it. That's a very interesting argument. to. to it is. Know. I mean, it's yeah. the same argument that says, can someone who does not disclose HIV and infects someone else, is that person mm-hmm. a criminal for doing In that? California, I think it is In now. some places yeah. it is. In some places it is. But I'm just saying it's kind of similar. She didn't willingly make anyone sick, but she right. knowingly did. But because she whether or not she believed it. She knew that it was a she was told that it was a possibility. Did she, she had to the what knowledge. extent did she ever believe None, that that never. possibility was true? And that's the thing. That's not for, that's, that's that, not the then law. she doesn't have No, well, that takes away is that it? takes away yeah, it takes away a lot of the intent. Hmm. It depends part of depending it. on depending the state on and depending on what, the law. Yeah. On on what if anything she would be charged with. Anything that would have, and she wasn't. That would she was never charged. Intent. Yeah, she was never charged yeah. with anything. Partially because I don't think that they would be able to. Yeah, and like criminal part of it was never pursued, as far as I could tell. Like nobody wanted to imprison this woman, even though they did. Just not in the traditional sense. Yeah, that's such a. It's such an interesting story because yeah, thing. she if she doesn't she that she never believed that she, she never was admitted that risk. she believed it. She never admitted that she believed it. Is is so interesting. Man, a yeah. a big iris bitch can really dig yeah. her heels in when she feels <laughs> like it. And listeners, when we Damn. say big Irish bitch, we mean that with the utmost respect and love. Oh, with respect and love. <laughs> so that's the big Irish bitch. Typhoid Mary. Oh debatable true crime story. Yes. You know what? If we've got a long-term imprisonment, baby, that's a true crime story. Yeah. That's true. And honestly, if I'm going to be imprisoned for 23 years, give me a cottage and a little dog, please. True. <laughs> give me a little dog. And I, I'll do day trips, too. I'm happy with day trips. Yeah. It's kind of like weekend jail. <laughs> oh, we're going to switch some gears. Ooh. That's me. Excellent switching. sound effect for gear oh. switching. <laughs> Listener. Valentine's Day is coming up. Yes, it is. So we're getting sexy. Oh. <laughs> um, do I have to take my shirt off? You don't have to. Okay, I might leave it on for the beginning at least, just till I get used to it. Now, the concept of sexual congress with spirits isn't a new one. For example... <laughs> Since the 1300s, Christians of various flavors have been concerned about creatures like the incubus, the succubus, Mm -hmm. or the concubus, Mm -hmm. the gender-neutral term Mm -hmm. for an evil fuck demon. Oh, that's good to know. Oh my gosh, how inclusive. Concubus. No, I love that. Yeah. Mm. All right. There you go. A little concubus. Today, we call both the phenomenon and the fetish spectrophilia. Ghost fucking. Yes, we do. <laughs> Ghost fucking. Oh, God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. That's right. That's right, There's nothing people. weirder or more exciting than ghost sex. <laughs> you knew I had to do it. So what's so attractive about the idea of a lover from the spirit realm? Well, let's hear from psychic Patty Negri, featured on the Travel Channel's 2011 special, Ghostly Lovers. Ooh. 
2011 got spicy. It got a little spicy. Now, Patty points to a couple reasons that people might be drawn to a bit of strange from the astral plane. <laughs> she says, for anybody who wants something a little off the normal naughty, whatever in societal terms that means, how can you get more than sex with a ghost? Sure. Fair. Fair. Sure. I mean, it's sort of like a... Like in a in the similar way of like Aleister Crowley wanting to do like the most taboo stuff and then just right. like yeah. falling in love with bottoming. Yes, and he, he listen the world. I love premier, it. The world's premier power bottom. The world's um, premier power bottom. Pass so around party bottom. Uh, oh yeah, Absolutely. yeah yeah yeah. Patty brings up another great point about why a person might be interested. She says, I've also found it's been a very positive thing in someone who's really lost their sense of sensuality or sexuality. It's strangely a safer way for women or men, but mostly women, who are afraid of that real human connection. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like masturbation plus? Yeah, like ghost sex is safe sex. You know, it, I was just going to say, it's the safest sex you can have by far. That's true. So taking on a spirit lover can be taboo and it can be healing. But Patty Mm -hmm. does warn her clients that they should be careful when trying to make an interdimensional love connection. She (laughs) says, if you open that door to the veil, you don't want to call in something negative or dark because that will really mess you up. Obviously. Fair point. Right. You don't want to marry a demon. I want a ghost, not a demon. Kiki Wellington is an erotic fiction author with several book series devoted to ghost sex. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, okay. This is this might be a new I'm avenue of this. fan fiction I've got to investigate. <laughs> Kiki says she'd always been a horror fan, but when she started writing erotica, she found she was most enticed by the paranormal. She wrote, My mind uh-huh. kept getting enticed by the idea of having an entity in the stories that was entirely dedicated to nothing more than pleasing my characters sexually. The spirit was insatiable, and the ladies were completely up for the constant bumps in the night that he delivered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bubba boom. <laughs> but for Kiki, these fantasies feel most right in the safety of her own imagination. She doesn't feel the desire to try and fuck a ghost for real. And apparently the right. overwhelming majority of spectrophiles don't claim to have actually fucked a ghost, but instead get their kicks from imagining it. Okay. But like, what if you did? What, um, yeah. <clears throat> what would yeah. you, what would you have to do if you, if somebody wanted to summon a horny ghost? Ouija board? Seance? Well, Patty Negri coached two BuzzFeed contributors on oh what God. she called ghost sex 101. Oh, give yes. it to me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Delivering. She set out some guidelines to keep in mind. You want to know that it's real. Be as goofy as you want, but know that you really are inviting a real spirit from beyond and that you're opening Mm -hmm. a real portal to other realms. You want to know your belief system, whatever that is. So like these ghosts, like they're on the other side of the veil, just waiting for their chance to fuck. And so like the door opens and they're they're just like, my chance. And they just run through like a They're ready, Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a horny dog. All right. They're just like waiting in line for their turn. Yes. Another guideline. Don't get scared. Fear will prevent the thing from happening altogether or will bring in a darker energy from beyond the veil that will feed on your fear. 
Okay. Yeah, there are a lot of people who would consider that to be a good thing. We'll get a little bit to that. People we'll get like a, a lot of that. things. People like a lot of things. We people like the, a lot of things. We'll talk about a little bit of that. <laughs> Number four, know that this is our realm of existence and spirits have to play by our rules and they have power over you only if you give it to them. Mm-hmm. Guideline number five, have fun with it. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Because if you're not having fun, what's the point? Just How good is that? Weekend. How spectrophilic is that? <laughs> <laughs> Patty lays out the steps to ghost fucking. First, be in a great personal space. A clean space. Be happy. Be in a good mood. Okay. Two, prepare your space. Candles, incense, mood lighting, sexy music. But do not burn sage because that will keep spirits away. Yeah. Right. Amateur exactly. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. Idiots. Three, define your space and set its boundaries. That is, I want this ghost to come into my bedroom only. Hmm. Trapped in the bedroom. Got it. Number four, protect your space in whatever way works with your belief system. I don't know if you're like salting the borders of your room or oh, just I was like, like a crucifix. <laughs> putting a crucifix on there. Yeah, above the door. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. Number five, start doing some slow, deep breathing. Begin mm-hmm. visualizing your ghostly lover. Mm-hmm. Ask the universe or whoever to send you a ghostly lover. Be very clear that you want it to be positive, good, loving, and light, as well as hot, of course. Of course. As the single here, I'm taking notes. You have to feel hot in that cold spot. <laughs> That's right, baby. I'm feeling very warm in this chilly area. Mm. Number six, softly add a chant to your deep breathing, something short that you can repeat easily, like, Come to me, loving spirits. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, exactly. Just chant fuck over and over. Fuck. Fuck. Ghost. Cock. Ghost. Ghost. That's right. Mm-hmm. Number seven. Believe. Good. Believe one. So like Split. I couldn't do this as an experiment because I don't I don't if think you don't ghosts. believe of ghosts, believe. then okay. then yeah, yeah. Got to clap right. your hands if you believe in fucking Tinkerbell. Who That's is a ghost. true. I feel like that um, number should be up higher, though. Yeah, okay. All it right. should be pretty much number one. Because it got Mrs. Mm-hmm. Hopes up that she could do it, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, if you can make believing happen, if you can just tap that believe sign above the door of your locker room, Ted Lasso mm-hmm. style. Sure. Number eight. I believe. Hopefully you'll start feeling sensations. You may hear something, smell something, notice orbs of light or shadow. Hopefully the physical sensations are coming. Often a feeling of pressure on the body, the feel of a soft touch, and then different forms of sexual simulation. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And can, can we see this person or are we only experiencing it physically? Like we can feel the pressure and the touches, but can, can I see my lover? Usually no. Yeah. <gasps> That's wild. Wow. So you don't even know who this person was or what they look like. No, it could be right. anyone. 
This is like, is this like sitting on your dominant hand so masturbation feels it's kind of doing like a stranger yeah i can see that that's what i mean like is that what this is supposed to be it's like yeah okay all right (laughs) number nine throughout your encounter communicate with the spirit make sure there's mutual respect and that nothing is done or allowed that you are not happy or comfortable with that's you know my house we want enthusiastic consent with ghosts enthusiastic consent is sexy that's what we want can it or is it just like a vibe? Is Question it like a vibe marks. of consent? Okay. okay. Finally, right. number 10. When it's over, thank the spirit and close the veil or portal that you opened. Consciously, verbally state that all entities must leave and you are closing the veil. The veil all entities closing. must leave. My veil is closed and so are my legs, you perverts. Now... Not all people who claim to have had ghostly sexual encounters have actively sought them out. Many Mm -hmm. claimants have had it just happen. Now, this gets us into some potentially difficult terrain consent-wise. Yeah. It's not often clear whether we're dealing with a scenario that's fully welcomed, one that's assaultive, or one that's an exploration of a consensual non-consent fantasy. Correct. I that think a lot of a lot of the erotica explores the kind of consensual a little non-consent. bit of the consensual non-consent stuff. Like I'm mm-hmm. being ravished, but like I'm loving it. Somebody help me! Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. That's if it's if if spectrophilic erotica is like Bigfoot erotica, then it is <laughs> a lot of oh. consensual non-consent stuff. Okay. Look, well, I know I, what. I thought about, but did not read you all a bunch of Bigfoot erotica. Another time, perhaps. <laughs> I love that. As I tell some stories of women who claim to have had relations with ghosts, I've been mindful to steer clear of any that feel assaultive. Um, mm-hmm. But that said, mm-hmm. I'm dropping a quick content warning here just in case. Okay. A British woman named Sean Jameson told the Daily Mail about her love affair with a ghost named Robert. I know this story. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He was very handsome with beautiful hazel eyes. And as we made love, he stroked my body tenderly and I could feel the weight of him pressing down on me. His body felt incredibly light. Mm. The whole encounter lasted an hour. And afterwards he whispered, that was the most amazing thing I have ever experienced. And as we drifted off to sleep in one another's arms, a voice in my head kept asking, is this really happening? No. <laughs> so she's loving it. Well, she's I, loving it. I mean, good. Good. I, they're both happy. He seems thrilled. He seems really, yeah, <laughs> proud of himself, too. Into it. Well. This seems like a bucket list moment for him, too. It was a big moment. Sean and Robert's relationship, though, was short-lived. Why didn't it work? Well, she says, a couple of days after our first encounter, Robert arrived and said it would be our last night together. I never asked why. I sobbed when I woke and Robert was no longer in my bed. I guess I'd been falling in love. Though I had one other ghost lover after that, I haven't had (laughs) sex with a ghost for over two years. Can't (laughs) risk it anymore. The betrayal, the hurt. I mean... Robert seems to have finished his unfinished business. (laughs) Where did he finish? (laughs) 
Amanda Teague is an Irish woman in her 40s who works as a Jack Sparrow impersonator. Yep. Previous, <laughs> previous yep. story from yep. pre-ED days on Oh Creepy my God! Yep. Well, yes. I'll just remind us. Yes, remind mm. us. That one night in 2014, she was visited by the 300-year-old ghost of a Haitian pirate, also named Jack. Right. 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 And she discovered she could speak to him, and he'd sit with her when he was in the car, when she was in the car, or when she was watching TV. The 300-year-old pirate. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda says, we became really close. The more I learned about him, the more I liked him. One day he said to me, We can actually be together, you know, but I'd never heard of an intimate relationship between a spirit and a human before. I did some research and found out it is a real thing, and there are lots of people in spiritual relationships. So in 2016, Amanda and Jack... There are of us. There are dozens of us. There are dozens of us. In 2016, Amanda and Jack took a hired boat into international waters with a psychic medium standing in for Jack and got hitched. So standing in for Jack. Yeah, there's just some like, guy. The whole night? Wouldn't that be it? I think just for the ceremony. <laughs> and now we come to the story of a woman from Bristol, England, with the ghost fuckingest name I have ever heard. Amethyst Realm. <laughs> oh. And that's her oh. Christian name. <laughs> that's please what welcome she to goes the stage. By. Please yes, welcome to please the stage, Amethyst the stage. Realm. It's not terrible. It's, it could be, well, it's not great. Amethyst's first time with a ghost was when she was around 18. She was living with a boyfriend who traveled a lot. She says she became aware of a comforting presence. About six months later, when her boyfriend was away, Amethyst saw a heart drawn on the condensation in the window of the guest room. This hoe. Okay. As she looked closer, she says... I felt someone come up behind me, put their hands on my hips and breathe softly on my neck. It wasn't warm or cold, just a soft breath, but it felt lovely. After a few weeks... I mean, it sounds nice. It did sound nice, and Amethyst decided to see where this relationship might go. Mm -hmm. She said, I went to bed early in the guest room, wore a sexy negligee, and lay there in the darkness... I felt a little mad and nervous. After an hour, nothing happened, and I thought, oh, I've scared him off. I've been too keen. (laughs) No, this, right, yep, just too into it. So he's like, I'm out. (laughs) It's like how I'll never, you know, you won't get abducted by an alien if you're too into it. Yes, that is that is the theory. If you want to be abducted, you're never going to. If you want it too bad, they can smell it. They're just like. They're just like, this. Is, you're, you should be embarrassed. We're not taking you. <laughs> but right as Amethyst was falling asleep, something happened. I felt a pressure all over my body as if a person was lying on top of me, but lighter and softer than a human. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced. I know how bizarre it sounds, but it felt real. It was different to having sex with a man, and afterwards I slept better than I had done in years. When I woke up, I knew it hadn't been a dream. Because I couldn't walk. (laughs) Got me walking side to side. (laughs) I'm proud of myself for knowing an Ariana Grande song and singing it. Yeah, 
Everyone needs that was to feel proud for you. Yeah. <laughs> Amethyst says she carried on this ghostly affair without her living boyfriend knowing. They'd have sex twice or three times a day. It's oh, not. Oh. It's not Amazon on Dolly one. level, but that's pretty a lot. Like an hour he, each time. Oh, there's no way. There's no way. No, you I have mean, to factor in who meals. Who has the fucking and, time? Yeah, literally. You have to go to work. I got to get ready. I got I got to take the kids to soccer. Like, when am I supposed to book three hours of Who time? has that fucking time? Nobody, Nobody has that me. kind of fuck time. Amethyst says they never spoke and she couldn't see the ghost, but they had a huge emotional connection. Okay. How? I don't know. I don't know. Vibes. I don't know. I know how. Vibes. No words, just So vibes. Amethyst dumped the living boyfriend and her relationship with the ghost kept up for three more years. Since then, she says she's sworn off earthly dudes entirely and has taken like, on more than them? 20 ghost lovers. Gentlemen call. She's got a harem? Ooh. I don't she's know if it's 20 at a time. Right. Oh, it is. She got ghost. <laughs> she got ghost. <laughs> In different area, area oh. codes. Area, area codes. <laughs> Amethyst, of course, works as a psychic. Because, oh, of course, she does. Good. Yeah. Now, in 2018, Amethyst said she'd found the ghost for her. She was on a trip to Australia, walking through the bush, no pun intended, <laughs> and felt the energy of a new ghost lover arriving. When it was time to go home to England, Amethyst thought the ghost would stay put, as she says they usually do. Different area codes and all. Of course. No, but place. on the plane, she felt his presence. She says, I couldn't believe it. I was happy and excited. So excited that we had to do something about it. So we headed to the plane loo, and well, I'm now a member of the Mile High Club. <laughs> Listen, it's got to be a lot easier with one physical person true. and one invisible person because Very they're true. so small. It doesn't make sense for two people. But to, you got to no. be nervous about the toilet flush, though. That that could be really Ooh, dangerous for a ghost. He doesn't have a corporeal ghost. form. He could just get sucked right <laughs> he out. He could get sucked right? away. He could have oh, gotten sure. Dave Matthews banded. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, that's the goddamn best that thing that's, that's ever happened. <laughs> Matthew's banded. <laughs> Listener, if you didn't remember this, uh, Dave Matthews' band's tour bus <laughs> unloaded a bunch of the band's peas and poops Shit. on top of a tour boat in the, the river a Chicago, Chicago tour boat, yeah. Yep. Just directly on them. Shy it was a one in a million shot. Yeah. And yeah. it's the fucking best thing that have ever happened. After nine months together, the ghost asked Amethyst to marry him on a trip to some Woo! caves in Somerset, England. I love caves in England. Mm. That's right. She says that's when it happened. There was no going down on one knee. He doesn't have knees. <laughs> but he has a dick. <laughs> he doesn't have knees, but he's got that D. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. All right. Amethyst says she heard the phrase, will you marry me, echo around the cave. And she says his voice was deep, sexy, and real. Oh, so he's only got a physical dick, but now he has a voice too. I see. Yeah. So it's a like, different voice. I don't know if he's got 
a dick or he can just like make her feel things she's feel never it. felt before. Okay. You know, I don't know. Got it, got it, got it. But alas, it wasn't meant to be. By October 2020, Amethyst had called off the wedding. She says they went on a vacation and he just wasn't the same. She says, I think maybe he fell in with a bad crowd when we were on holiday. He just started becoming really inconsiderate. He'd disappear for long periods of time. And when he did come back, he'd bring other spirits to the house and they'd just stay around for days. I think he started doing drugs and partying a bit much. Okay, being a ghost sounds amazing because you can do all the same things, but nobody can see you. Nobody can see you, except, I guess, Amethyst, who can see you and break up with you. (laughs) Yeah, you could do drugs as a ghost. It was also very much October 2020, and she got booked on a breakfast show in Britain to tell this story. So it could have been (laughs) some uh, pandemic cash injection that she did. Oh, by the way, the ghost and I broke up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going on the circuit, so watch out. Now, as they too often do, science nerds come into this story to dump cold water on our fun, sexy time. Ew. Sleep experts, who are they, believe that these stories of people awakening or going to sleep to the sensation of a ghost taking them to pound town have a real world explanation. These lame normos say that these people are experiencing sleep paralysis. Rude. What Rude. What even is that? It's well, not even real. You know what? I'm taking Mary's stance and I'm going to disagree and I'm going to reject it. Reject. I'm not taking you, these scientists, these scientist activists, these scientists from pushing science. Tell me to fucking believe what NASA tells me. Never a straight answer. (laughs) According to these so called experts, sleep paralysis affects anywhere between 8% and 50% of people at least once in their life, and 5% of people have it happen regularly. It happens when people move in and out of REM sleep. So Mm -hmm. when we're in proper REM sleep, our brains keep most of our muscles from moving. And that's why most of us don't get up and act out our dreams as they're happening. And if you are somebody who gets up and sleepwalks, it's part of a problem with your paralysis and your REM sleep. Okay. Sleep paralysis happens when a person comes out of REM sleep in a piecemeal way. If you're mentally conscious, but you're physically still unable to move. You could probably feel pretty heavy. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. And sometimes sleep paralysis even comes with a visual hallucination component. A person's half-asleep brain might try to explain what's happening by projecting the image of something or someone keeping them still. I've heard of so many sleep paralysis stories, and they're all yeah. terrifying. They're all very this, scary. These don't seem terrifying. They're, they're they seem to be having terrors. a great time. These are like yeah, fuck well, terror. And well, no. Some of the some of the stories that are more intense seeming of ghost sex definitely feel like they could be, you know, to some of the stories that exist and that we've heard today sound like they might be sleep paralysis. Yeah, sure. If you're allergic to fun. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nerds. But whether it's real or not, or a notion best kept in the realm of fantasy, 
This has been an introduction to spectrophilia. Spectrophilia. But, you know, we've also got, we've got cryptophilia as well. Cryptozoological. Cryptozoological. We got to talk about fucking the Mothman. We got all kinds of strange. We got to talk about Bigfoot. We're talking about Speaking of, I Googled, I Googled Bigfoot erotica, and the first thing that comes up is a Washington Post article that says, what is Bigfoot erotica? So, Those goddamn normos at the Washington Post. I cannot wait to dive into this more. What is Bigfoot erotica? Bezos, figure it I mean, out. What does it sound like? There with clear meaning. It sounds like you're writing about fucking Bigfoot. Also, I want to put out a shout out to the two celebrities that I know that have claimed to have had sex with ghosts. One, Anna Nicole Smith. Yes. That's right. R.I.P. Two, Kesha. Well, Kesha. Kesha, I was going to talk about it. She did say that she did in 2012 in an interview mm-hmm. with Ryan Seacrest. Right. And she kept it up for a while and has since sort of walked it back. Uh, apparently the song Supernatural might have yes. been about the experience. That is what I have heard. That is yes. true. That is true. Um, Lucy Liu, apparently, in 1999, also said that she believed that she had a sensual encounter with a ghost. Would that I could be a ghost in 1999 in Lucy Liu's bedroom. (laughs) I think I believe it now. (laughs) I think I believe. (laughs) Well, so many. Step seven, believe. (laughs) So many thanks, Edie. I feel so spectrophilic yes. now. It's a whole Good. new way of life. That's right. I feel expanded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pierce the veil. Well, consider this veil pierced. Oh, it's been pierced. Thank well, you. That was so much fun. I'm so glad you did that. I like that we talked about, in in equal measure, we talked about just poopy hands. Yes. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. fucking ghosts. Listen, we're just, we're just, covering. we contain multitudes. It's peaks and we valleys. Do. Peaks and valleys. So, yeah. Thank you. And thank you, miss, for your wonderful story of as well. Typhoid Mary. I didn't know she was in, in, in cars, like she was held against yeah. her will, we'll say. Yeah. For almost 30 years, all in total, yeah. I think. All 26. told. Yeah. Yep. 26. Is what it ended up being totally. Miss, yes, uh, let us know. Where can you find us on social media? Oh, well, on social media, you can follow us at Creepy Inquiries Pod. Um, You can also send us an email if you'd like. Any suggestions or comments, please feel free to do that at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. And then if you could be so kind, feel free to leave us a cute little rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Five stars or I will shit in my hands and make you a sandwich. (laughs) That's the most aggressive one yet. That is the most aggressive one, but it has it's very on theme. (laughs) Um and yeah, and if you are interested in our sources, check out our website at creepyinquiriespot.com. Thank you. Thank you all so much for joining us on episode 60, the Tom Cruise aged episode. And until next week, it's good.